Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ beneath us, Christ above us, Christ within us, Christ to my right, and Christ to my left. May the Lord Jesus Christ and his power lead us and guide us and protect us this morning, we pray. Amen. Well, I've top of the morning to all of you. <laughs> Truth be told, I was a bit confused why the Lord would have me be coming here 1,600 years after I passed and went to be with him. But while I was waiting, I went in to talk with the children here and ask them if they knew who I was. And a few of them that were clever saw that they had the Celtic cross and guessed, oh, you're St. Patrick. I said, well, what do you know about him? And they said, oh, well, you're a saint, and your name is Patrick. <laughs> but I told them, you're wrong on both accounts. <laughs> I never was a saint, never was confirmed as a saint by the Catholic Church. And my birth name was Patrician. But yes, later in life, a few began to call me Patrick. But more importantly, I asked them, well, what do you know of me? What, what am I known for? And to my surprise, they said, well, you're known for finding shamrocks <laughs> and for drinking green beer and for pinching people that don't wear green. Well, I was a bit shocked to hear this, but uh, there was one little boy, especially I asked, he said, uh, I believe perhaps you're the inventor of my favorite breakfast food. And I asked him, what is this? He said, well, of course, it's Lucky Charms. <laughs> and with a proper Irish brogue, he said, and they're magically delicious. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what he was talking about or any of those things. I'm still trying to understand them. But uh, perhaps with this kind of understanding of, of my history, it is why the Lord has me to come here to teach you a thing or two about my life and how the Lord powerfully worked in me and how he powerfully wants to work in you as well. Well, as I said, I am Patrick and I am a sinner, a simple country person and the least of all believers, and I'm looked down upon by many. My father was Calpurnius and he he was a deacon, and his father was a priest, Potitus, and it was near his home when I was 16 years old that Irish raiders came, and they captured me and thousands of other young boys and took us away to Ireland and sold us as slaves there. And for six long years, I worked there under a chieftain named Malchus. And I shepherded his sheep there in the mountains and the cold. But it was the Lord's grace upon me. For though my father was a deacon and my grandfather was a priest, I and the other boys, we had not given attention to obeying the Lord's commands. And we hadn't given attention to listening to the priests and their teaching to us. 
And so it was the Lord's chastising of us and sending us out to the nations, even to the ends of the earth. It was His grace upon us. And so it was that among foreigners, it seems, that I was seen by myself how little I was. But it was there that the Lord opened up my awareness of my lack of faith. And even though it came about late, I recognized my failings. And so I turned with all of my heart unto the Lord. And he looked down on my lowliness and had mercy on my youthful ignorance. And he guarded me. He guarded me before I knew him. And before I came to wisdom and could distinguish between good and evil, he protected me as a father, as a father does for his son. And he allowed me to come to faith and to trust in him. And that is why I cannot be silent, nor would it be good to do so, about such great blessing and about such a great gift that the Lord has so kindly bestowed upon me during my captivity. Yes, it was a gift, these raiders taking us away, carrying us to the ends of the earth, for there we came to know the Lord and began to serve him. Well, there is no other God, and there never will be, nor was there ever, except God the Father. And that is why I cannot be silent. And that is why I repay such blessings from the Lord. I repay Him that as my life has changed and I've come to know Him, I repay Him by praising and bearing witness to His great wonders before every nation under heaven. As I said, I was born in Britain, which was an area controlled by the Romans. So many think that St. Patrick, he is Irish, but in fact, I'm English. But the Lord had these pirates come and take me to Ireland. But while I was there, I was a simple country person, a refugee and unlearned. But this I know for certain, that before I was brought low, I was like a stone lying deep, deep down in the mud. Then he who is powerful came and in his mercy pulled me out and lifted me up and placed me on the very top of the wall. And that is why I must shout aloud and return to the Lord for the great good deeds that he has done here and now and forevermore these things which the human mind cannot measure. The Lord has been so good to me. Well, after I arrived in Ireland, I tended sheep for Malchus each day as his slave. But I began to pray and seek the Lord's faith. And some days I would find that perhaps during the day I would pray a hundred times and at night as many. And often, in the morning, I remained in the woods and on the mountain and would rise before the dawn, even when there was snow and ice and rain. And I never felt the worse for it. 
I never felt lazy, and as I realize now, it's because the Spirit, God's Spirit was a-working, was burning inside me. The Lord was drawing me to Himself. But there was one night I remember. In my sleep, I heard a voice saying to me, You have fasted well. Very soon you will return to your home country. And not long after that, I heard again a voice in my vision saying, your ship is waiting for you. Well, I was 200 miles from that ship, from the harbor. But I knew this vision was from the Lord. And I escaped that night and spent many days walking those 200 miles. And I arrived to the port and there was the ship. But as I went to the crew and told them I need to set sail on your ship, they ridiculed me and laughed at me, said, we have no need for you on our ship. I remember turning away and walking and praying to the Lord, asking him for his help. And suddenly some came behind me say, young man, these here are calling for you. And I went back and they said, we'll take you on our ship. Come, we'll trust you. Just prove that you're our friend in any way you wish. And so I went with them. Well, they were pagans, and I hoped that they might come to faith in Christ Jesus. But this is how I got to go with them, and we set sail right away. But again, I was taken as a prisoner on their ship. Though they would say we would be friends, very quickly, they began to treat me poorly. But within a few days, we arrived in Britain, not knowing where we were. And for 28 days, we wandered in the wilderness, not seeing any people at all. But the Lord provided food and shelter for us. But again, one night, the Lord spoke to me, actually on the ship. The Lord spoke to me and said, you will be with them for two months. This was a great comfort for me, for after being in captivity for six years in Ireland, I was afraid that it would be a long time again. So I took great heart at this. And on the 28th day, we ran into some other people. But that day marked the last day that we had food. And one day, the captain came to me. He said, what about this Christian? He called me Christian. <laughs> You tell us that your God is great and all-powerful. How come you don't pray to him? And he provides food for us. And then I said to them with great confidence, Turn in faith with all your hearts unto the Lord, and he will provide for you. Because nothing is impossible for him, and he will fill you to where you are fully satisfied. <laughs> and then just as I had prayed... A few minutes later, the Lord arranged that a herd of wild boars came in front of our path. And the crew went and killed several of them, and we stayed there for two days, eating our fill till we were fully satisfied. And I became greatly esteemed in their midst because of the working of the Lord. He's so good. And sure enough, on the 60th day, they released me that I could go back to my parents. 
And after finding my way to my parents, it was a wonderful reunion. But they begged of me, they said, because of all your tribulations, please vow that you will stay with us and that you will not leave. But the Lord has his plans. One night again, I had a vision. And in this vision, a man named Victoricus was coming from Ireland. And in his arms, he was holding all of these letters, so many letters. And he had one letter for me. And as I read the letter, it said on the heading that it was from the voices of the people of Ireland. And as I opened the letter and began to read it, suddenly I heard in my ear their voices, the voices of these from the wood of Volklat where I had been before. And in unison, they were crying out with one voice in anguish, saying, We beg you, holy boy, to come and walk again among us. Oh, this touched my heart deeply. And I could not read any further. And at that moment, I woke up. And thanks be to God, several years later, the Lord arranged that I was to answer their prayer and return back to Ireland. Knowing that through these visions and in understanding the Lord's word, that this was his purpose that his glorious gospel would get to the ends of the earth. For I had read of Jesus saying, Bless your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. To love our enemies. So I knew that this vision was indeed from the Lord. And though it was a great disappointment, my parents in the end, I did return back, but this time I went to Ireland as a cleric and as a missionary to take the good news to these people. But before I left, I had another important vision that the Lord spoke to me. And in this one, in the vision, I saw that there was one in me who was praying. And it was as if this person were inside my body. And I heard him above me, that is, above my inner self. He prayed strongly with many sighs and groans. I was amazed and astonished and pondered, who is it that prayed in me? But at the end of the prayer, it became very evident that this was the Spirit of God that was in me. And as I awoke, I remembered the words of the Apostle Paul saying, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, for the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And I knew again the visions that the Lord had given me was from the Holy Spirit and that they needed to be obeyed. So I returned to Ireland. I didn't always feel welcome. It was a a brutal land of tribalism, many different chieftains, many warring factions, so much idolatry, 
They had the gods of the sky and gods of the earth and gods of the water. There was violence and death. There were headhunters. I remembered the images for the first time when I had been taken in captivity to Ireland. That as I came on many poles, there were heads, skulls, mounted on the top. And I had learned that they believed that a man's soul was in his head, so that if they cut off his head, they would be killing also his soul. So there was much idolatry there, and druids, and cursings, and witchcraft. There was great opposition to the gospel and many difficulties. But the Lord had given to me a strategy that I was to go to the chieftains and to their sons and daughters, these the most influential and powerful of society, and to preach the gospel to them. And as I did, and others were trained, we saw many becoming nuns and monks and clerics. And the Lord used them to educate the believers and to strengthen the churches so that the churches not only would grow, but they began to multiply and expand. And the Lord blessed our work, the work of little Patrick, chief of the sinners. But there was great opposition, one that I did not expect at one point was of the Christians, they came with quite a severe criticism of me, saying that I was not handling the Lord's money in the proper way. But it was an opportunity for me to write the testimony of how God had worked in my life and the way that I had used money in the past and what God had done in and through me. And I explained that many times, when women and men had come to the Lord, they would give gold coins and rings and jewelry to me. But that I never accepted it, even though some of them were offended by this. For like the Apostle Paul, I wanted to boast that I preached the gospel not for worldly gain, but out of sincerity. But yes, there were times when I had paid great sums of money as a fee for protection to the different chieftains, to protect the lives of the sheep in our flock, that they would not be harmed as they traveled here and there in Ireland. For early on, we had many incidents. One in particular, I think of that a number of young women had just been baptized, and suddenly the Warring sons, brutal warriors of a certain chieftain, came down and slaughtered these women that had just been baptized and took many of the others off into slavery. And I criticized them for this over and over. It was quite difficult. But it was for this reason that at times the Lord led me to, to spend money to give to these chieftains to ensure the safe travel of the sheep in our congregations. And thankfully, in the end, the Lord used this all, and it was resolved satisfactorily. But from it, I thank the Lord gave opportunity for me to write some of the things that the Lord had done in my life 
so that others would hear of it and be encouraged. And I thank the Lord that as little and uneducated as I am, the Lord privileged me to see thousands, thousands of precious Irish souls to come to know him. And more than 30 churches and many monks and nuns and clerics to help mature those in the church. I am greatly in debt to God. He gave me such grace that through me many people should be born again in God and brought to full life. Also that clerics should be ordained so that those would come to believe in the gospel would be taken to those the very ends of the earth. For this is just what the Lord had said in His Word and had been confirmation earlier in my life that this was the Lord's purpose to take His good news to the very ends of the earth. And at that point, the gospel had not been to Ireland. So what a great privilege it was to give my life to seeing the gospel go there. But just as the prophets had said, the nations will come to you from the ends of the earth. They will say, how false are the idols our father got for themselves. And they are of no use whatever. And again, Isaiah, speaking of our Lord, said, I have put you as a light to the nations, that you may be their salvation to the end of the earth. And our Lord Jesus in the gospel said, people will come from the east and from the west and they will lie down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We believe that believing people will come from all over the world into the Lord's kingdom. And it is right that we should fish well and fish diligently. For the Lord directed and teaches, taught us saying, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Therefore, it is very right that we should cast our nets broadly so that a great multitude in a crowd will be taken for God. Also that there should be clerics to baptize and encourage a people in need and want. For this is what the Lord says in the gospel. He warns and teaches with these words. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all days, even to the end of the age. And one other time the Lord again said, Go out, therefore, to the whole world and announce the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And again, the Lord said, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Over and over again in the scriptures, just as the Lord has wanted. He's laid forth his purposes. And the prophet said, and it has happened. And it will come about in the last days, says the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. 
Your young people will see visions. Your older people will dream dreams. Indeed, on my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. And we have seen this happen at Pentecost. And since then, the Lord continues to give dreams and visions and to pour out his spirit and to speak through his spirit as he has to me, calling people to follow him. And then especially in Hosea. Hosea says, those speaking for the Lord, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And she who has not obtained mercy, I will name the one who has obtained mercy. In the place where it was said, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. Yes, like there in Ireland, where the people felt they were not the people of the Lord. They were not shown mercy. But the Lord has brought them mercy. And he's raised up sons and daughters and poured out his spirit upon them. And he has built his church. And his church is growing. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I praise the Lord for his mercy and his grace and how he redeems every part of our lives, even redeeming for me the experience of being taken captive, being a slave in Ireland. The Lord used it for good, far beyond my expectation. Let me end today with a famous Celtic prayer that emphasizes the key to our victory in building God's kingdom. I rise today in the power of strength, invoking the Trinity, believing in treeness, confessing the oneness of the Creator's, creation's creator. I rise today in the power of Christ's birth and baptism, in the power of his crucifixion and burial, in the power of his rising and ascending, in the power of his descending and his judging. I rise today in the power of the love of the cherubim, in the obedience of angels and service of archangels, in hope of rising to receive the reward, in the prayers of the patriarchs, the predictions of the prophets, the preaching of the apostles, the faith of the confessors, the innocence of holy virgins, and the deeds of the righteous. I rise today in heaven's might, in sun's brightness, in moon's radiance, in fire's glory, in lightning's quickness, in wind's swiftness, in sea's depth, in earth's stability, in rock's fixity. I rise today with the power of God to pilot me, the strength to sustain me, the wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look ahead for me, God's ear to hear me, 
God's word to speak for me, and God's hand to protect me. God's host to deliver me from snares of devils, from evil temptations, from nature's failings, from all who wish to harm me, far or near, alone or in a crowd. Around me I gather today all these powers against every cruel and merciless force to attack my body, against the charms of false prophets, the black laws of paganism, the false laws of heretics, the deceptions of idolatry, against spells cast by women, smiths, druids, and all unlawful knowledge that harms the body and soul. May Christ protect me today against poison and burning, against drowning and wounding, so that I may have abundant reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ to the right of me, Christ to the left of me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in the heart of all who who think of me, Christ on the tongue of all who speak to me, Christ in the eye of all who see me, Christ in the ear of all who hear me. I rise today in power, strength, invoking the Trinity, believing in treeness, proclaiming the oneness of creation's creator. For to the Lord belongs salvation, and to Christ belongs salvation. May your salvation, Lord, be with us always. Amen and amen. Okay. <laughs> well, it's pretty amazing. St. Patrick's a lot more than just green beer and shamrocks, huh? Yeah, it's really actually a shame that somehow he's been reduced to that when he was an amazing, humble man that God powerfully used. Just briefly want us to, to look at, oops, I got this the wrong way. We talked about that he wasn't a saint, that it wasn't until later he was named Patrick, that he actually was an Englishman, that he was not the first missionary to Ireland, he was the second. Uh, there's a legend that he drove the snakes out of Ireland, but in fact, when he got to Ireland, there were no snakes. They, the Ice Age had taken care of them long before that. But I think he has many things in his life that can be a great challenge to us. And one is prayer life. There's a beautiful story that as he was, came to the Lord there in Ireland, shepherding sheep out in the mountains, that he began to learn how to fellowship with God. He said, in the daytime, I would pray a hundred times, almost as many at night. He'd wake up early in the morning because he said, there was a fire burning in me. The Spirit was burning in me. And that was seen through his intimacy with God and his desire to spend time with him. And then also, I think, just this last prayer, um, that's... 
that prayer is called St. Patrick's Breastplate. It wasn't written until the 8th century, so several centuries after him, but many believe that many aspects of it were influenced by him. But you see that he, his worldview about the Christian life, we've talked before that sometimes the Bible talks about it as a journey that we're on. Uh, the Christian life is like the planting of a seed that grows, like a race we're in, and that it's also like a spiritual battle. And clearly, the spiritual battle was a very important part of Patrick's worldview. And as he was fighting against drowning and poisoning and curses um, and druids and all the heretics and idolatry, um, that he realized he was in a spiritual battle to take forth the gospel. And he faced opposition in, in many ways. So really his life is inspiring. And my prayer for my own life is that I will have that mindset that, yes, I'm in a battle. Um, I'm a soldier for the Lord. Of course there's going to be difficulties. Of course there's going to be fights. There's an enemy out there that is wanting to sift each of us and to destroy us and to destroy the church. But praise God, Jesus has said, the gates of hell won't prevail against his church. Um, so his prayer. And also just this idea, very interesting, the dreams and visions and how he quoted Acts about at Pentecost, how the result of Pentecost would be that men and women would begin to prophesy and have visions and dreams. Um, and we still hear of that happening today, but many times... Um, we're, of course, we should be careful with that, but I'm encouraged to ask God, God, would you, if you have something you want me to do that I'm not doing, would, would you give me a dream or a vision to help wake me up to see what you're wanting me to do, that we would all um, be more open to God using those, and of course, they should be tested when we get them and see what others agree that that was really God speaking. But that's part of the New Testament experience as we read the New Testament. Um, and clearly we see how powerfully that, powerful that was in um, Patrick's life. And then just God's sovereignty in his redemption. That How amazing that Patrick would, would thank God for him being taken by pirates to Ireland because it would cause him to wake up and see that he was disobedient to God's commands and began to follow Christ because of that. Um, and then also seeing God's sovereignty and using that and God calling him back to these people where God, God's name was not being glorified. So in that, I just even asking in our own lives, you know, are there some areas where there's some something we don't understand God's done in our life, but we don't know how he wants to use it or don't think that he can even use it. Maybe it's a painful experience, but just that beautiful example that God's, and God alone is able to take something that's painful and traumatic and turn it around and somehow use it for good. And if you have something in your life that's like that, that uh, we all would just offer that to God and say, God, I don't know how you could use this, but yeah, this was hurtful. I don't know, I wish it wasn't part of my life, but it is, and I just believe you're sovereign. And so I just want to ask you, God, would you do something beautiful out of that? Because 
because you do. We've seen you do that, Lord. We stand amazed. So to offer that part of our life to him as well. And then just how God transforms our love and our prayers so that we love those that we fear and hate. We pray for our enemies. We do good to those who persecute us. And again, that only happens by the Holy Spirit. But in each of our lives, I'd ask each of you to think, are there people in my life that have persecuted me or that I'm fearful of or that I have a hatred towards that God is wanting me to change and to be like Patrick and to begin to love those people or begin to pray for them or do good to them. Uh, Patrick's life is just an amazing, that, that, that whole idea is such a paradox that we're to do good to those who persecute us. Um, and yet, as he did that in his own life, wow, how many lives were transformed and that country changed and the growth of the church spread throughout Europe uh, from there in Ireland. So a tremendous impact, obedience in that area of loving those that persecute us. How God can powerfully use that. And then lastly, just our comfort that he was willing, after enduring all that in Ireland, when the Lord spoke to him, he was willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. Even there, all those traumas that he had there, difficulties, discomfort. Um, he was living in a Roman area, probably, though it appears he was poor and uneducated. Uh, apparently the conditions were much better than Ireland, but he was willing to give that up and battle and suffer and go through all the trials in his life and that he was just merely following Christ's example and that we too would be willing to follow Jesus' example in all these ways. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the examples you give us of amazing people like Patrick. And Lord, we know that his life was so amazing because he followed your example. So Lord, help each of us that we too would follow you even when it's uncomfortable, even when it feels totally opposite of what our flesh wants to do, to do good to those that have harmed us. Lord, we can only do that by your Spirit. So Lord, we just thank you for the example that you give us of Christ and many after him who have followed you. Lord, may we too, through the power not of our, our own, but through your Holy Spirit, to live out the gospel, live out the teachings of Christ that we can only do through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.